I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us God's heart. The religious rulers and teachers of his day had perverted the law, creating loopholes to get out of following it. As a result, they effectively became lawbreakers. Jesus chose six examples of their false teaching, the ways they relaxed God's standards, and dismantled each. The first two were examples of the law being narrowed. Anger and lust are in our hearts before we ever act, and the law judges these thoughts and feelings or passions just as it does our actions. The next two are examples of how the Pharisees and teachers of the law had relaxed the law through clever lawyering. They took a sentence or a phrase from the law and used it in a way that ignored the context and actual meaning of God's word. In response, Jesus reminds them of the overall context. Marriage is a sacred commitment not so easily dissolved, and we should be completely truthful in all our dealings. So that's the backdrop of the following passage, another false teaching of his day. Tim, do you want to read it? Sure. Matthew five thirty-eight through 42 says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So the topic Jesus is addressing is retaliation our urge to get even, Mm. but it's more too. It's about the quality and aim of our hearts, how we should think and feel in a positive sense. I think the first place I want to start is, is the false teaching. So what's wrong with eye for an eye and tooth for tooth? This is, this is the phrase Jesus says his audience heard. So there's something about this phrase that we can infer was false, but this saying is directly lifted from Exodus 21:24, Leviticus 24:20, and Deuteronomy 19:21. These are three books of the Torah. Do you think Jesus is saying there was something wrong with the first covenant and he's here to fix it and restore something to God's actual ideal? Or do you think these passages of law were being misapplied in some way? Well, the short answer to that for me is I don't know. Uh, this is another one that is uh, really a challenge for me. Um, and I always go back to the statement that Jesus made when he says, I didn't come to negate the law, but to fulfill it. And that the intention of this law um, has been by the time Jesus is delivering this sermon, the intention of this law has been, um, well, adulterated mm. in some way um, and has become something that people use to exact vengeance or to uh, punish um, in some way that he considered unjust. 
um, that's where I that's where I've landed with it. Um, it. That the original intent of this law was for justice, and that it's somehow been perverted in a way that that violates justice. Hmm. Yeah, Matt, I'm actually really curious, like how you how you see this um i was gonna just jump in but yeah i know normally our, we just do the rounds yeah but no I, I do you want me to i, I sure i go for it i mean i think so i don't think jesus is saying oh that eye for an eye thing that was terrible mm-hmm. but <laughs> let me show you something better i think that would be odd mm. an odd way of looking at it because um i think it would mean that jesus is negating the very law his mission was to fulfill mm-hmm. so I'm I'm taking the position I I assume it was being misapplied, mm-hmm. and I I think I think that's what we find too. Um, the false teaching Jesus was addressing his day dealt with an unlawful extension or expansion of what was a public law into a private venue. Mm. So this is what I when I was looking at those. Those uh, passages that I referenced, Exodus 21 was one of them. So you remember when we, like a few sessions ago, we were talking about the Pharisees and how they had a pattern of, of doing this. In Matthew 15, we looked at how they had taken uh, this ceremonial washing and that was reserved for priests uh, before their sacrifice at the altar and it applied it to the private family life at the dinner table. So that wasn't the only example of how they unlawfully applied the law, they, how they extended it into areas that it didn't directly apply. The, th- the, th- the, passage, um, the passages that are referenced from the Torah deal with public laws for judges to administer in a court. In fact, the courts mentioned in just the prior sentence in Exodus 21, the, the Pharisees and teachers of law took these verses and applied them to private dealings, though which is totally the opposite of how eye for an eye is supposed to work. By taking it out of the courts, they turned average people into vigilantes, mm-hmm. right? They, the whole situation runs completely contrary to the, the, the whole point of, of justice and rule of law. We're not to take matters into our own hands. It, coincidentally, I don't know if you've ever uh, read, heard, seen that bumper sticker, you know, the, um, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's clever, but it's completely missing the point of what eye for an eye is. This is a, a um, Lex Telianus, the, the law of retaliation. It's an ancient principle that limited what a court could penalize any offender to something fair. So, for instance, if he stole a loaf of bread, you couldn't have your hand chopped off. The whole point of, of eye for an eye is fairness and, and limiting judgment. You've probably heard a recent variation of this. The punishment must fit the crime. It goes both ways. You can't lose a hand for stealing, but if you kill someone, a slap on the wrists isn't going to cut it either. This idea gets to one of the central tenets of the law that Jesus called the weightier things, justice, mercy, and faith. God loves justice. Most importantly, though, for what Jesus was addressing here, it's something you find in a court of law. It's not a principle to be exacted in private life. And I think that's the problem Jesus was addressing. 
The Pharisees were applying a public law to private life, which is the same mistake the bumper sticker makes. And I mean, to be fair, it's an easy assumption to make. Our desire for revenge is baked into us. It's really strong. Uh, you injured me. I, I've got I've got a right to exact my pound of flesh. Mm -hmm. You're right. Um, God's law puts the matter of dispute to be decided by a fair and impartial judge who applies a fair measure of retribution. So when that sentence is meted out in a court of law, justice is supposed to be served and the matter resolved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, it's a great explanation, and it is very helpful to distinguish. You know, what are we doing in our private lives versus like what happens in a court of law? I think we'll talk about that probably in much greater length uh, later on. Um, when we, we wrestle with, you know, the obvious question there is basically like, well, what can, can Christians be involved in those situations? Mm. Right. Uh, if, if we're called to love our enemies, but I think we'll hit that in another episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, taking it to what, you know, we're talking about now, uh, one of the, the simple ways I can, I think about it is, yeah, the old the old law, uh, the old covenant. This when it speaks for the eye for the eye, it's it's talking about justice, right? That mm -hmm. justice needs to be served. Um, that th and there shouldn't be having too much of a punishment is not just having mm -hmm. too small of a punishment is not just. Uh, but that justice is not opposed to goodness, right? Yeah. God is both mm -hmm. just and He is good, and I think we can all recognize that if someone has done something unfair to me, I mean, this happens on court of law occasionally, and it's always really incredible when it does, right? Someone is hurt. Um, I think there was an example where basically this this uh, child was hit by a stray gunshot, right? Mm. And they, they caught the guy, and he's in court, and she is like, I forgive you, right? Mm. Like, I, I don't have anything against you. Uh, she just had the spirit of like gratitude uh, for her life, not for the horrible thing that happened, but uh, she didn't say, you know, I've got, I'm going to shoot you now, right? Right, right? And that is that is goodness, right? And I think that's one of the key things that uh, Jesus is calling us to, rather mm -hmm. than this retaliatory mindset of I've got to get even. He's He's calling us to a higher standard where it's yeah. like, well, someone might have done you wrong. Someone might be actively doing you wrong in the moment. Mm -hmm. and uh, But that doesn't mean that you need to get back to them. You can rise above that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, I think the Lex Telionis is, is, uh, sets a limit, but it, it, it doesn't mean that you have to go to that limit either. It, I mean, I think it's important that justice is served, but I, I like what you were saying about how our attitudes should be toward others. Um, and I think especially in the realm of interpersonal relationships, we should not tit for tat kind of retaliate. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't, our hearts should not be bent toward, I got to get even, you know, that's not fair. He did this to me. I, again, I think about my kids cause it, it mm -hmm. comes out so much. He's touching me. That's my toy. Don't do that. Stop it. It's my turn. That's not fair. You know, all the, it's so, I mean, 
this is such a uh, it, it's so deep within us mm-hmm. from childhood mm-hmm. well and the, the fact that so you take the fact that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God all of us every single one so which of us has a right to get vengeance from which of us for what if we're all in the same mm-hmm. boat um you know it's that that scripture in Romans 12 uh verse 19 it says beloved never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God yeah for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay, says the Lord. Yeah. That that's something that we just don't need to venture into. Mm-hmm. Because when you venture into that, then you're quantifying righteousness. If I say that I need to take, you took my hat, so and that was wrong. You stole my hat. So I'm going to steal your jacket. Mm-hmm. That's me saying... Your stealing my hat is equal to my stealing your jacket. I have, I'm more righteous than you are because you took my thing. Now I get to take your, you're quantifying mm-hmm. something that can't be quantified by anybody but God. And it doesn't, it doesn't help stop the problem in the first place. Right. And, and dealing with the, again, I think Jesus is dealing with the heart issue. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe this is a good place to start talking about this antithetical statement that he makes, Mm -hmm. right? Um, He says, but I say, and he he says, we're not to resist an evil person. This is a really challenging statement. Mm -hmm. And it can seem difficult to apply, especially when people I love are also in harm's way. So now this is a classical Hypothetical, mm-hmm. uh, but let's let's dive into it. If a, consider a thief breaking into your house to steal something, and he's got a knife, what do you do? What if he attacks you or your wife? So I think I'm a little uh, unusual uh, in that I argued with my one of my best friends about this when we were in eighth grade. <laughs> 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 like that's one of the ways we became friends is we argued about this idea. And uh, the subject of baptism. So that's weird. But um, that's who I was. So in eighth grade, grade, seventh and eighth grade. Uh, So anyways. Big man on campus. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's not exactly the way to like get super popular. (laughs) But, but yeah. So, I mean, the, this hypothetical situation is one that is gets to right to the core mm-hmm. of this topic and it does so by kind of taking things to the extreme mm-hmm. but it's very natural to go here because when when Jesus says don't resist an evil person what's the first thing that we all feel we feel fear mm-hmm. What if I get taken advantage of? What if I get hurt? What if things don't go right? And there's there's so much I could say about this. Um, I think the, an, the the my one line answer to the question 
is that I would prayerfully, if I, if I act in a way that's in accordance with my convictions, which I wrestle with, if, if, could I actually do this? But I would want to be in a place where I would be able to treat this thief, treat this person who is threatening myself and my family, recognizing this is someone who is also created in the image of God, who is, I have no right to take this person's life or harm this person. And instead I'm going to treat this person with love. And that's scary. It puts me uh, at a physical disadvantage. Mm-hmm. I, and I'll read, uh, I'll read one scripture that I think it's kind of another hypothetical situation, uh, but it's one that Peter addresses, and it, it kind of gets to a similar thing, and it points to the example of Jesus in these moments. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25, it says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's easy to make Jesus a, in this example, in this area of our life, it's easy to make him like, oh, I'm glad that Jesus died, so I don't have to. But I do think at the crux of it that, you know, Peter is explicitly calling on slaves in this context to undergo potentially very difficult treatment where they were had harsh masters and he points to Jesus as an example of someone who suffered wrong, even though he had done no wrong and that he didn't retaliate. And so that feels to me very in line with what Jesus is saying here of don't resist an evil person. Hmm. And it's, probably one of the most challenging things that he says, mm-hmm. if, if, if what I understand is correct. What do you think, Van? This is, this is a really, really hard one. Um, the, the, the thing about these, as, we, as we're digging deeper into the Sermon on the Mount, um, on the surface of things, when I just look at the Sermon on the Mount, the most challenging stuff is the, t- the stuff about lust, the stuff about you know, equating equating lust with adultery, um, this the stuff the, that kind of thing on the surface is what I'm afraid of when I read the passage. But then when I dig into it and I see passages like the last conversation we had about yes and no, um, and now this one, 
it, it's really difficult because it goes uh, counter to just about everything that I've ever thought or learned in my life about um, manhood hmm. is that uh, a man doesn't a man doesn't let another man abuse him. And a man certainly doesn't let another man abuse his loved ones. And so it's really difficult. And I have in my past looked for loopholes. Uh, you know, what, what, what about, what if this did happen to me? What would I do? I, and the conclusion that I've come to, similar to yours, Tim, is that I would want to be in a place where I could treat that person with love. I could uh, think of them as another soul, as another sinner who needs help, and that I could not resist them. But I will be honest with you and tell you it's really hard for me to think of somebody doing something to my wife or my son or my daughter and me just standing there letting him do it. Mm And I know that it gets at, you know, and I, I appreciate the passage that you read, Tim, because it, it, it begins to get at the, at suffering and not only the, um, the, the fact that suffering exists, but that there's value in suffering, mm-hmm. that there's a connection between suffering and salvation, obviously with Jesus. Yeah. And that would this, would God ever call me to suffer in that way? And if he did, would I be able to submit to it? Would I be able to be like Jesus was? Hmm. It's a really difficult one, though. Yeah, this is a hard one. I've gone back and forth on this, um, trying to figure out, well, what do I actually believe? And I think it was helpful for me when I was studying this to go back to what is what is he addressing here, which was the taking this public law and applying it to private life mm-hmm. thing? Um, because I think in this this it is a class, classic hypothetical, right? Mm-hmm. You know that, um, and I liked what you shared, and I totally agree with you, Tim, about the what Jesus's example is, right? That he when he was insulted, he didn't retaliate. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. Uh, in the interpersonal kind of things. And even in that situation, it's a special one because here he is, uh, government is is subjecting him to uh, torture and capital punishment mm-hmm. unjustly. Uh, you know, and in that society, uh, Peter was addressing slaves who would treat their masters. This is a different different situation than uh, two people, same power dynamic, same, you know, there's no like you're not, they're not your boss or whatever, um, or a government official doing something to you that you have no control over. Uh, we're supposed to respect authority in, in a sense, I think, mm-hmm. uh, from what I see in here, even if it's authority that is bad because uh, we're called to pray for uh, our leaders that, you know, and I think when. <laughs> When the, that was written, it was written about Nero, probably. So, right. out of his mind, killing Christians. So, uh, so I think there's there's nuance to this 
in the particular subject, this classic hypothetical, the way I think of it is um, it's helpful to go back to the law. And in Exodus 22, we, we, uh, verse 2, we read about a case of a thief breaking in at night. And uh, the law assumes we will defend ourselves. And it says that if we accidentally kill the intruder, it's not committed, it's not considered murder. And so I think the the sixth commands uh, injunction not to murder places value not only on other people's lives but also our own. Uh, so I I read that as the law making some assumption about how we would defend ourselves and defend loved ones in a situation like that. And I think you see that reflected in today's courts too, where they continue to recognize that manslaughter resulting from true self-defense is not a crime. Um, and I think we get more about this intent with the example that Jesus gives with if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other. Mm-hmm. I think there is a heart of, of turning the other cheek, but what does that mean? When, when I think about it, and I, so I go to the UFC gym and I take my kids there and I used to be into wrestling and stuff and now they're doing kickboxing and, you know, different martial arts things and, and I want to go out on the mat so bad because I love wrestling and things. And I know if I do, I will hurt myself. <laughs> so not in shape. But what's helpful for me to think about is if you threw your most people are right handed. So if you want to really do some damage, you you throw your right hand. And and where is that going to land on your opponent? Their left, Their left side. side. What he's talking about here is someone striking you on the right cheek. If you're using your dominant hand, that's a backhanded slap. That's not intended to cause harm as much as insult. Mm -hmm. And what I found interesting is you go back through some of the uh, rabbinical sources on this, and they talk about that. They talk about what a greater offense this would be to get this backhanded slap, this dishonoring, insulting slap. And how, what you could do, how you could sue someone for that. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Because it's an honor culture. It's an and honor that's a culture. huge thing. Yeah. Sure. And so I think what he's addressing here is more insult rather than assault. Mm-hmm. And so in that situation, yeah, we're supposed to turn the other cheek. We're supposed to have a, a absorbing, meek character that, that looks at someone in love. Mm-hmm. Which is also... Hard. <laughs> it's very hard. Right. You know, if you, you, you take the scenario of somebody breaks in your house and is going to do harm to your family, that, yes, that's very hard. But someone slaps you or someone in in my youth, I had somebody spit on me. Mm. Now, somebody spitting on you, uh, barring that maybe they had COVID or something. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really do much physical harm to you it's the the shame of it Mm. is is really difficult to bear and just really i mean and again in the way that i was raised i think in a way that a lot of american men are raised is not something you put up with you would it it's it merits physical retaliation in some ways. And so even when we talk about it being a thing of honor, it 
it it it puts it in a different light, but it's still really hard because what it offends is my pride. Oh yeah. My my sense of who I am, my manhood, my reputation, all these things that um we can really value as human beings and I think uh but they have a different value when we think of ourselves as spiritual beings, as Christians, as sons of God, that what does it matter if somebody slaps and gives me a backhanded slap across the cheek mm. to my soul and to his? It's still, it's still a really difficult thing. Yeah, and that's... Happen, and that happens much more often. <laughs> True. At least here in our current society mm-hmm. that we're speaking to, uh, that people are treating me with spite, that people are trying to take advantage of me, mm-hmm. that uh, what's the other example? I think taking advantage summarizes mm-hmm. two of those examples. Mm-hmm. And if we are, if we come from a mindset of, I cannot lose my pride. I cannot lose my physical goods. Mm -hmm. I cannot lose my time. And anything you take from me is an assault on who I am, right? Take the insult as an Mm -hmm. assault, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how you think about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we can't embody what Jesus is saying here, Yeah. right? This Jesus is is saying, don't don't resist this evil person. And uh, I think probably the last thing I'll say before we close for this episode is um, because I think we'll talk about the use of force like continually through the next few verses. But Mm -hmm. uh, Van, you talked about the idea of uh, you had used the phrase of doing nothing, right? While, while you watch this horrible thing happen to your family. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can probably, we can discuss it in greater depth, but, what I what I see from Jesus is a lot of things, but what I don't see is someone who does nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And in this in this we have a we have a negative thing. Do not resist an evil person. Mm-hmm. But Jesus never ends there. He never yeah, ends with true. the negative. There is mm-hmm. always an affirmative. And uh, by I think by embodying this command, we don't become shells of who we are and we don't have to empty ourselves of our, our manhood or our humanity or whoever, you know, whatever is relevant to you. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need to de- empty the the mother or the father or the brother or sister that is in each, each of us. Um, there's, there's a truer humanity that Jesus is trying to point us to, mm-hmm. right? A, a fuller embodiment of who, we as individuals and who we can be as a society mm-hmm. and uh, what it would look like for the kingdom of God to come. And that is, that starts with not resisting an evil person, but just as Jesus' examples talk about, it doesn't end there. Yeah. Yeah. I point. like what you're saying about pride. Love is not proud, right? Mm-hmm. That's, right. that's something that, uh, you know, it's not easily angered. And mm-hmm. I love this instead we should you're right do the instead of just not doing the bad we should even go above and beyond open ourselves up to further insult Mm -hmm. 
which is like blow yeah. my mind kind of thing mm-hmm. um, if it's warranted right mm-hmm. um, this is a good place to end this is a this is a great discussion we'll pick it up next time mm-hmm.